If you are saved, if you're clinging on to that hope of salvation, if you're putting faith in that, if you're holding on to the promises that Jesus has given to us through Scripture, He is very interested in your life. He that is down needs fear no fall. He that is low, no pride. He that is humble ever shall have God to be his guide. Let's humble ourselves to the Lord. Let's submit to what the Lord has called us to do. And let the Lord be the guide of our lives so we personally don't have to fear the fall of our pride. Welcome, as I said before, to the best night of the week. And you know why it's the best night? I think we all saw just a few minutes ago why. Because, well, first of all, obviously, I am not Pastor Mike. Pastor Mike is on vacation, or at least he was. He's flying back in tonight. Um, He'll be back next week. My name is Quincy, and we are going to be hearing what the Lord has for us out of the Word of God tonight. But as I said before, we're not here for tech, right? We're here for Jesus. And I think even though we didn't have any words, that was some of the most soulful worship I've heard in a long time. So praise the Lord. Now, tonight we are in week four of our core series. The core series are the basic principles of our faith. Tonight, your paper says adoption, and yes, it's about that. But it's about answering something we all have, a question we all have. First of all, I actually don't have a mic. Am I loud enough? Okay, that's good. Because I don't really know how to use a mic, so I guess it's my compensation. Okay, y'all know that. So, I thank you. Don't raise the roof on me. Tonight is about answering something every single one of us has, struggles with, consciously or subconsciously. And it's, hey, where do I fit in? How do I fit in? What do I need to do to fit in? Where is my family? Where do I belong? Make sense? Very good. Now before we get into the really serious stuff, let's get thinking about the importance of groups. Okay, this is just a goofy thing. Y'all know I like to incorporate something weird and goofy into into sermons, so we're going to do that now. Now, now, you don't have to move nowhere. Okay, last time it involved a burrito. We're not doing that this time. So, somebody... My coworker introduced this question to me, and first I thought, what an excellent time waster question. But then I thought, what an excellent youth question. So, I will, I will give you the options, and then I will give you 15 seconds. 15 seconds is not enough time to decide the answer, but after 15 seconds I'm gonna have an answer, okay? Because honestly we may never know. Are there more doors? Or wheels in the... Hey, quiet, quiet, quiet. Shh. Listen, not everybody has heard this cringe question yet. Guys, shh. Not everybody has heard this cringe question yet. Are there more doors or wheels in the world? Shh. I knew this would happen. Have you heard this before? All right. Silence, silence. Don't argue with your brothers and sisters. Five, four, three, two, one. All right. 
If you are team doors, stand up. Okay, everybody quiet down. Quiet down. Quiet down. We'll continue when you're quiet. Alright, each group will be able to give one line of reasoning. Travis, one line of reasoning as to why there are more doors in the world than wheels. When you say cars that have four wheels, there's five doors in the car. How so? How? Because there's a road, and there's a driver, Okay, have a seat. Have a seat. Guys, this is the present. Hey! Yo! Listen up! This is not an area for debate, and Mike is going to listen to this later, and I don't want to blow out his eardrums, so let's be peaceable. Alright, guys, take a seat. If you are Team Wheels, stand up. Okay, listen. Listen up. Nick, what is your line of reasoning? Hey guys, Craig, Craig here has been alive than many, but basically everybody. Craig, in your whole life, have you seen with your own two eyes more doors or wheels? Guys, he says more wheels. Alright y'all, welcome to... Morning Star students, we get weird, we get wild. Now we have some first time guests I want to welcome in. Guys, settle down. I have some first time guests I want to settle in, I want to welcome in, I should say. And they're like all from the same clan. I will try and get your names right. Please welcome Emma. Please welcome Abby. Juliana, Angelina, but you may call her Angie, and Ava. Yeah, we have another Ava. We have two Avas. <laughs> now, the reason, guys, let me get into why we even went into the doors versus wheels thing. I figured y'all have been pining over that question for a while. Tonight we're talking about, like I said, belonging. We're talking about belonging to a specific group. Consider how important it was to you that you not only had the right answer to which group you belong to, but how you guys were arguing with one another about why you should join into which group, right? You want your friends to be with you. We're going to be talking about that a little bit later. Have you guys ever taken a selfie before? Yeah. You have? Okay, if you haven't, have you, do you have uh, your own social media account? Okay, so even if you don't, you know how much time and effort put in, people put into a reflection of themselves, correct? And they put all this time into that, and it may only last maybe 10 seconds in another person's mind, if it makes it through the ads, right? 
So the group that we all belong to that answers this need that we have as to where do we fit in, we all have that and there's a reason why. So we were designed by our Creator. His name is God. The Son is Jesus. His Spirit is the Holy Spirit. And He designed us in His image. We were designed to be in a relationship with Him. We all have that need as to where we fit in because we naturally want to be back in that relationship with Him. Now here's the thing, outside of the Scripture and the Spirit telling us that, Scripture will also tell us tonight that we are lost, hopeless, trying to fill that void. Trying to constantly be in a group that is never going to fill that void that we have. Are we ready to start and see where this all begins? You all guys all have your Bibles tonight. That's in portion because I couldn't figure out getting the Scriptures on the screen. So... We are going to read out of our own Bibles. We're going to be in Genesis chapter 1 today, verses 26 to 27. You need a Bible? Okay. Hey, Joanna, could you uh, get Cohen a Bible? Yes. Yes, we need another Bible. Could you share with Dante? Yes. Uh, just because I don't know if we have like 100 billion back there. By the way, oh, David. Hey, Cohen, by the way, if this is your first time and you did not have a Bible tonight, this Bible is now yours. It is yours to keep. And so turn to Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27. We are going to see how we were created and the love with which that was uh, poured into. Are we ready? Verse 26 says, Then God said, Let us make man in our image. According to our likeness, they will rule the fish of the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, the whole earth, and the creatures that crawl on the earth. So God created man in his own image. He created him in the image of God. He created them, male and female. Like, we, like I just said before, consider how much effort we place into something that lasts 10 seconds in someone's mind. Can you raise your hand if you've been alive for more than 10 seconds? You've all been alive for more than 10 seconds. Raise your hands. Come on. Here's the thing. I hope that you guys last many decades before your time comes. I'll tell you, your decision... We're going to talk about a relationship tonight. Your decision on this relationship is what you stake not only this life on, but all, every moment after this life on. Because whether you want to accept it or not, you were built in the image of God. God lasts forever. Your soul lasts forever. You were built to be in that relationship with Him. And your decision on that relationship will, will define what your existence looks like after you leave the earth. You see, everything. every time we see in Scripture... Jesus, God, talk about this relationship. It's based in this great, unearnable, unshakable, sacrificial love. Last week we talked about sacrificial things. Remember that? Things that take... Do any of you remember that? Sixth grade boys, I know you guys do. Right? Sacrificial things. A sacrificial act is when you give something out of love without expecting any return. So a love given to us by God without expecting a return, but just to give you the option of a yes or a no. We're going to read about that soon. 
It's a relationship, as I said, we're designed to be in, and I repeat, I repeat that many times because it's much of importance. Let's turn to Ephesians 2. This is where we are going to be at in the heart of tonight. Your small groups have these verses as well. We're going to jump around a little bit through Ephesians chapter 2. I apologize for that, but we will all be in chapter 2. And we're going to see a couple things. We're going to see where we are, where we stand in this relationship with the Lord outside of committing ourselves to Him and inside of it. We're going to talk about what that means. Our first verses inside of Ephesians chapter 2 will be 12 and 13. I'll give you guys a couple of seconds to get there. 12 and 13. Yes, ma'am. Dante? Ephesians chapter 2, verses 12 and 13. It is right after Galatians. If you do not know where to find that, you have a brother or sister next to you who will help you find that. Yep. Alrighty. See, this is good. We're getting used to finding the scriptures in our own Bibles. Verses 12 and 13. Are we ready? Ephesians chapter 2. Alright, if you're not there, please turn to a neighbor who is. If you still cannot find it, you may listen to my voice as I read. Starting at 12. At that time, at that time you were without Christ. Excluded from the citizenship of Israel, guys, y'all, be respectful of the reading of the Word of God, guys. I'm going to restart. Verse 12. At that time, you were without Christ, excluded from the citizenship of Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who were far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. I'm going to read 14 as well. For he is our peace who made both groups one and tore down the dividing wall of hostility. Y'all, when we talk about belonging, we talk about groups. We talk about how how Christ is this is the center of that. Does everybody here know the offering that enables us to come into that promise? Who knows what we have to do to be saved? Okay. Can one person tell me? I'll just look at one hand. Tori? Okay, yeah. Confess your sins, accept God in your heart. Scripture says specifically, you are correct by the way, Scripture says specifically, if a person knows in their heart that Jesus Christ is Lord, that He died for your sins, and you would confess that with your mouth and confidence, you will be saved. That is what we need to do to enter into this promise. That's all. There's no hoop jumping. Before I analyze 12, 13, and 14, does anybody know what Jesus will say to those who only know God in their head and not their heart on Judgment Day? I asked the sixth grade boys this last week. They got it, of course, because they're awesome. Does anybody else know? Dante. Oh, Dante, can you say that louder? Depart from me, I never knew you. 
He does, he's not going to say, depart from me, you didn't pray 10,000 times. Depart from me, you didn't donate every cent you had. You didn't go to church every Sunday or Wednesday. No, it's conditional on relationship. I never knew you. Every verse we read tonight, think in that context. Relational. He desires a relationship with you. It says in the beginning of 12 that outside of this relationship, we're lost. Like I said earlier, we're without hope. If you're outside of Christ today, or even if you're on the fence, you've just been thinking about it, thinking about it, what do you place your hope in? This is a rhetorical question for you to consider. What do you place your hope in? Now, when I was outside of Christ, I thought about this question inside and out of church, and I thought, well, I guess it would have to be in something that lasts, right? Something that my grandkids would see and hope into. And i got to tell you, I didn't really find very much. Is it an ideal for you? What, well, if it is, what does that ideal give you? How does it support you through the day? Or is it, in fact, a hollow source of hope that has no real energetic impact on your life? Scripture says it is, and I think you know it is. Is it something physical? I work in signs and graphics for heavy equipment. Very boring job to most, so I find it fun. And you know what a lot of people call about? Oh, I'm restoring my dad's old tractor. It's the family tractor. I need new stickers. Could you guys get me a new sticker kit? If it's something physical like that, I I hate to tell you, that's going to rust away and break down. So whether it's something non-physical, like an ideal, that really doesn't help you as much as you think it does, or whether it is something physical that will break down anyway, you're not putting your hope in anything that will last. And, as much as you may think it fills you today, it's never enough for tomorrow. Tonight, I hope you understand through the scriptures that what Christ offers you in that relationship will last you throughout the end of your days. It says, in Him, we are brought near by accepting the bloodshed of Christ for our sins. It says that He is our peace, that He has made both groups one, those who are both in Him and out of Him when we accept Christ for who He is, we are made as one. Take a look around. Look at all these weird people. I'm sorry, we're all a little weird. That's what makes you individual, unique. Let me tell you something. Those of you who are in that promise, there is no one, there is nothing like Jesus that will bring so many weird people together in a consistent and meaningful way. There just isn't. Craig, I never knew outside of two years ago, but because he knows Jesus Christ, I know a lot about him. Because we share, we worship the same Savior. Years ago, I didn't know a lot of these leaders, but I know a lot about them because we worship the same Savior. It's our binding agent. It is so much more than loving a sports team or a band or a fashion trend. It's life-giving. Mary and I like the Eagles. I could tell she has an Eagles jacket. But Mary and I will both tell you that the Eagles are not life-giving. <laughs> and for all you Cowboys fans, neither are the Cowboys. Those relationships that you have with those types of teams, objects, things, are not life-giving. You know that. Consider how much of your heart you give over to them. We're going to go to Ephesians Chapter 2, verses 1 through 10. Told you we bounced around a little bit. We're going to talk about Christ's great love. 
and you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you previously lived according to the ways of this world, according to the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit now working in the disobedient. We too all previously lived among them in our fleshly desires, carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and thoughts, and were by nature children under wrath, as the others were also. But God, say with me, but God. God. Amen. Who is rich in mercy because of His great love that He had for us, made us alive in Christ. Even though we were dead in our trespasses, you were saved by grace. He also raised us up with Him and seated us with Him in the heavens in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages He might display the immeasurable riches of His grace through His kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For you are saved by grace through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is God's gift. Not from works so that no one can boast, for we are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared ahead of time for us to do. I want to point something out here. These are, there is so much here. It is phenomenal. I made up a new word. It's so great. Phenomenous. It is a phenom. I want us to look at something. We It says in verse 3 that we were all outside of Christ, carrying out the inclinations of the flesh. Raise your hand if you still somewhat deal with that. You struggle with carrying out the inclinations of the flesh. Good. Most of you are human then. It's okay to admit that. This is part of the process of understanding who we are. We all know what we struggle with too. Yours may be slightly different, but you know kind of what it looks like. What you serve in your mind and your heart. It's your status, right? A hollow smile from a stranger. A current trend. How do you live up to it? Maybe it is more basic than that. Maybe you're a perpetual liar. Sorry, you know. You know better than me. Maybe you have a lot of hate in your heart and you just don't know where to place it. Maybe you're just like I pointed out earlier in the perpetual service of people. Outside of Christ, we have no hope to escape those things. I'm skipping a little bit ahead of myself, but I want to tell you this. Everything that you feel you lack emotionally, mentally, or in your soul is fulfilled only in Christ. You feel underappreciated. Christ not only created you, but it says at the end of these verse sets, before you even accepted Him, He had prepared good works for you to do in His name. Before you had an opportunity to choose Him over the nothingness that is everything else, He prepared a relationship that will fruitfully give you life. You feel unloved. Maybe you feel like you constantly have to work for someone else's approval. You were never meant to work for people's approval. My approval will never be enough for you. That person in school's approval will never be enough for you. What you do today will never satisfy tomorrow. Only in Christ is that void filled. You were designed with that relationship in mind. Because of His great love that He has for you, He made you alive, even though you are dead in your trespasses currently. Praise God, that is wonderful. Can I get an amen to that? Huh? All right. Oh my gosh. And it is God's great gift, sacrificially given. Let's finish here in this verse set, 19 through 22. 
Same chapter, chapter 2. Now this applies to us if we are inside of that promise. If we look to the cross, if we look to Jesus for who He is, we know in our hearts that He is the Lord. We know in our hearts that He has died for our sins. And we confess that with our mouths. We have entered into that promise. Like I said, there are no hoops to jump through. He did them all by living a perfect life you could never live. All you have to do is understand who He is and confess it. And so in 19, So then you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with the saints, and members of God's household. Again, family. Built on on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, with Christ Jesus Himself as the cornerstone. In Him the whole building being put together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you are also being built together for God's dwelling in the Spirit. Fixate on household. You know, I was talking to somebody recently, and actually a few somebodies, and this is a constant thing. Well, I'll, I'll think about God later when I'm done with this chapter of my life. Hey, who here controls time? Nobody? Don't cap at me now. None of you control time? Okay. We're on the same page. That means you have no idea what tomorrow will look like. You want to know something that impacted me that Craig said a couple weeks ago? Is don't just believe the Bible is true, know it's true. Don't just believe that Scripture is true, know it's true. And something else really cool he brought up is the fact that every single prophecy that the Lord has put forth in this Word has come absolutely true. Every single one of them. Not written after the fact, written before the fact. They've come true. They're coming true now. And he says he's coming back and we don't know when. If we don't know when, that could be tomorrow, that could be before you make it down the stairs for small groups. Are you prepared that you have the answer to that relationship with him? I said fixate on household. Consider this. You who are waiting for forever and just whenever you feel like it, you're going to make that choice. Please don't, please don't hang on that. Please don't. Please don't. Because let me tell you something. It's like this. Let's say, I want to pick on somebody. Who can I pick on? I'm going to pick on you because your glasses are awesome. They aren't even glasses. They're just creative. They're, they're, they're like, they're tripping me out. Okay. I'm sorry. What's your name again? Thank you, Jara. See, I told you I'm terrible with names. I know your face up. So let's say Jara. Listen up, y'all. Let's say Jara. She has nothing but compassion and love for me. Okay? And yet, in a friendly manner, chill. I should have chosen a boy. I know you, I know you guys are used. Alright, let's continue. Let's say Jara has nothing but compassion and love for me in a friendship level. But I spend every day living in a way that she and I can never be friends. Not only that, but I constantly use her name at the beginning and end of every joke and insult I can think of. When she offers me three branches of hope and reconciliation, I swat them away. And I say, Jerry, I want nothing to do with your reconciliation. I want nothing to do with you. Stay away. I'll deal with you in my own time. This is getting pretty real, isn't it? Good. Because this is how we act towards the Lord with most of our lives. 
And then that day comes where something catastrophic happens in my life. I'm driving down the road and my car engine blows up. Oh man. And it's in front of Jerry's house. And she's my only hope. And I have the nerve to go up to her door in her house and say, Jerry, will you let me in? She says no. Isn't that interesting? If I never had a relationship that was positive with her, she won't let me in her house. Interestingly enough, hey, interestingly enough, we are offered that ability to reconcile with Christ by accepting who He is our entire lives as long as He gives us to live. And if on that final moment where you pass and you're before those dates, He's going to say, depart from me, I never knew you, if you never took that opportunity to repair that relationship. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? I hope so. If not, we got some work to do in small groups. And yet, if you're inside of that promise, it says here that He is building us together into one temple that worships and praises Him. Listen, we may not see the fullness of that until we are in His presence in heaven, but where we do see it right here and right now is when we worship the Lord together. Isn't that beautiful? I gotta tell you, there's not a more beautiful thing ever in my life. That might be really boomer to say, but it's it's true. When we all worship Him together. I'm gonna go back to something here. Excuse me, I, I skipped like four pages here. I'm gonna point something out now. Historically, Jesus Christ is absolutely real. There's really no debate to it. There's, I'm sorry, there's just really not. We have more scientific, archaeological, biographical, and this is all outside of the Bible, mind you. This ain't even inside the Bible. We have all, we have more archaeological, scientific, biographical, verified data to prove Jesus Christ lived, died, and rose than we do to verify that Plato even existed. Which, by the way, don't even come at me with that man. He, he plagiarized most of his stuff off of the Word of God. Sorry. That's right. We have more... Listen, I'll repeat that. Because it was a mind-boggler for some of you. Do you guys know who Plato is? He's a philosopher that people worship with their whole lives. We have more information to back that Jesus Christ lived, died, and rose again than that Plato ever existed. Like the philosopher. Isn't that interesting? And yet, people will stake their entire existences on something some dead guy said a hundred years ago. We don't even know where the dude lived. Consider that. If you're going to stake your life on something, if you're going to sit here and be like, man, this whack job, then you don't know what he's talking about. If you're going to stake your life on something else, you better know 100% that it's real. Because you are staking your life on it. You are. And you don't know me if you're new. Or maybe you don't know me well and you're not new. But like all the leaders here, we have a great passion to see you know Jesus because that's the only real relationship you're ever going to have that's really going to matter. That's really going to last you. That's really going to satisfy you. I want you guys to consider, based on that, and think about this. Stop asking if Jesus lived and start asking why. Stop asking if Jesus died and start asking why. Stop asking if he rose and start asking 
Why? That's where we all need to be today. If you aren't there yet, you need to be there now. And let me give you a hint. The reason why was not to start a religion. I guess I'll see myself out. <laughs> it wasn't to start a religion. No, it was to jumpstart that relationship. Because by living that perfect life and sacrificing and dying in a way that we deserve to, He fulfills what we were supposed to fulfill. That gives you the opportunity, you personally, to come into that relationship. And I don't mean you as in the lot. I want you to think about you as in you personally. Every step, every grueling step made without complaint on the road to that cross was made with you in mind. It says at the end of these verses that all along he had in mind the good works you would do in his name and the meaningful life you would live in his name. Isn't that amazing? Amen indeed. If you're wondering tonight still about the amount of doors in the world, no. <laughs> some of you are like, no, I've, I've finished that. If you're wondering tonight, listen, if you're wondering tonight about the amount of doors in the world, I'm going to give you a cheat sheet over those wheelers. Consider the amount of doors, consider the door that is in every human's heart. Alright, I'm going to read to you from Revelation. Shh, shh, shh. Consider the door that is in every human's heart. I'm going to read to you from Revelation 3.20. These are Jesus' words to you. See, listen. See, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. If tonight you feel the weight of living up to somebody else's standards, to a trend, of fitting in somewhere that will never satisfy you and forget about you tomorrow, if you feel the weight of tomorrow pressing on you because you have no idea how you'll live up to its needs, I need you to understand that peace is knocking at your door tonight. I need you to understand that hope is knocking at your door tonight. That it is not, that healing is knocking at your door tonight. His name is Jesus and I'm asking you, will you let him in? Because I tell you what, it changes everything. It changes absolutely everything. If you tonight are inside of that promise and you have let him in, that goofy doors question I asked you before, how you wanted everybody, to, your friends to be on your in your group, that's also natural. It's because not only are we designed to be in that relationship with God, in the family of God, shown the belonging, the hope, the healing that we were meant to have to live that purposeful, meaningful life that glorifies Him, we were also meant and we're given a commission to bring others into that family. Because yes, Jesus is coming back. But he won't do that until every person on this earth has had the opportunity to say yes or no to opening that door. That is our commission. To spread the gospel that people would know that he's knocking and would have the opportunity to open it. Can I get an amen to that? Amen. Absolutely. And so as you guys enter into small groups, consider where do you feel like you belong? What do you feel that you are lacking? 
What is persistent? Because you have a square-sized hole that you keep trying to stuff with man-made objects that are circles and triangles. And maybe they fill some of the space, but they don't fill enough to satisfy it. And you're, you are constantly thirsty, never being quenched to that thirst. Jesus is the well that finishes that thirst. Praise Jesus. Amen. I ask you guys to consider these things as you go in a small group. And um, before you do, I want to read you something from Romans 8. Actually, we read a portion of this earlier through Gavin and Travis's leadership. Oh, very nice. We're going to be reading Romans 8, 12 through 17. So then, brothers and sisters, we are not obligated to the flesh to live according to the flesh. Because if you live according to the flesh, you are going to die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all those led by God's Spirit are God's sons. For you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Instead, you received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies together with our spirit that we are God's children and if children also heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with Him so that we may also be glorified in Him, play, praise Jesus. We do not belong to Him as property, we belong to Him as family. As brothers, as sisters, as friends, as someone he longs so much to have a meaningful relationship with. Will you let him in? Hi, Pastor Mike here. Thank you for listening to the Morningstar Student Ministry Podcast. Whatever your age, my hope and prayer is that you grow a desire to know our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ through these messages. For more information about the Morningstar Fellowship Student Ministry, or if you'd like to support the ministry financially, please visit www.mstarqtown.org and search MSTAR Students. God bless and have a great week.